Baby, who your people? Um, excuse me? I'm not from here. Well, with this name, where you from? I'm from North Louisiana. See, my grandma... Wait a minute, wait a minute. Hold on, baby. Aren't you that little girl that works up in the president's office? Yes, ma'am. That That's me. Okay. Well, you stand over to the side here and let me get this line cleared and then I'll be with you in just a minute. That's what the lady at the registrar's office told me as I was trying to uh, register for another semester at my university. Now, the problem was I had a balance, a big balance, and I didn't have any money. But when she could put together who I was related to, my status went up. Mm-hmm. Status. Hey, this is Michelle, and I wanted to welcome you to another podcast of Wisdom Smacked. Boy, that was hard getting out. <laughs> so, hey, with me today as we explore status. And guess what? I'm going to see you on the flip. I was able to go to a prestigious private university. I was also able to work in the president's office for this prestigious private university. And in that office, there for four years, I was also able to learn a powerful lesson about status. You see, it was because of who I knew I was able to parlay that into being able to get through school, having private photo sessions with the president in my graduation regalia. Also, getting hooked up to the best, and I'm talking about primo, um, temporary jobs that would come through the city and go through the president's office looking for kids to come and work at an expo or host this or do that. It was really cool. And when I look back on it, I was like, man, mm, I had it good. (laughs) Today, I want to just talk about something that is really um, one of the things that I, I work with in my life, in, in my practice of um, coaching and con- consulting, as well as when I am negotiating a character and what makes that character real. <clears throat> now, you know me and you know I love me some books. And one of my favorite authors on the nonfiction side, and I have many of them, I'm going to go on and say that. One of my favorite authors on the nonfiction side is... Um, Robert Greene, with an E on the end of that green. And in his book, uh, The 48 Powers, uh, The 48 Laws of Power, he talks about punitive power. He talks about uh, cunning power and a lot of different nuances on the concept of power. But one of the underlying pendings that he doesn't necessarily talk about outright, but it's there if you're looking for it, is this station of status. I have used those laws to uh, be able to grow a following, be able to help nonprofits and churches appeal to their communities to get people to come out. You name it. It's, it's just an amazing thing. And I, I want to share that with you today. So can we talk? Can we talk? Now, in the opening, I talked about a situation that I had. Now, let me break this down for y'all. 
I went, like I said, I went to a private university in uh, Southern Louisiana and I graduated. I'm a great, um, proud alumni and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When I went there, I went on a scholarship and uh, I lost my scholarship after my first year because I had to work and I was working. I was working an official um, offline job. I was wa- working a uh, with what they called work aid at the time. I don't know if they still have it in school, but uh, work study, excuse me, work study. And uh, in my quote unquote spare time, I was also using uh, my cosmetology experience and license. Remember, I told you I got that to fix hair in the dormitory. Now, I didn't have my car with me when I went to school. My parents were like, no, there's no way you're taking this car down there and getting into accidents or trouble or whatever. So they made me leave the car at home. And I'm going to tell you, it's really hard knowing that you have transportation when you're in a different city and you have to walk and take buses to get places. It just makes it real hard. But let's get back on this. So I'm down here in school and I don't have the extra funds because for the most part, I'm having to put myself through school. Things were, you know, tough growing up and I worked so much so that I could survive and buy my books and and keep my clothing and uh, personal items and my parents they sent 20 here 100 there whenever they could but I was at a private university and um, with no transportation and I, I, I needed to find ways to make money and so my studies suffered and they suffered to the point where after the first year in a grueling chemistry program, I lost my scholarship. And because I lost my scholarship, um, the work study location where I had been assigned was attached to that scholarship. It was a pretty prestigious uh, place, you know, and yeah, it was hard and embarrassing getting fired from being in um, the admissions office, not admissions, they didn't call it admissions, but it was um, the administrative office of uh, the pre-med department. Yes. And I lost that. And it was just hard. And I remember that summer trying to go to school to make up some of those credit hours because I had, I flunked out. I didn't flunk out, but you don't want a, a, a D on your transcript. Let me just put it that way. So I was trying to go to school to, to redo some of those classes and it was just hard. And, and for whatever reason, Somebody saw me struggling and uh, I, I don't know if it was, you know, my church affiliation. I don't know exactly how it was, but some kind of way I came. Um, oh, you know what? I know what it is now that I'm telling the story. See, that's what happens. You start telling the story and then it comes back to you. So you remember I told you um, in a previous podcast how my grandmother had the good sense or the wisdom as she was wont to have to get to have me get a skill. Well, I parlayed that cosmetology license into being able to fix hair in the dormitory and you know because I had the license they couldn't really say anything because they weren't on any kind of liability you know I had a license it was on me um well my skills were so good that they started getting out in the university and that's what it is I ended up (laughs) somebody telling um, folks, she can cut any kind of hair. Now, remind you, I'm in New Orleans, and I don't know if you know about hair textures for um, black folk, but they range. They are from straight to the tightest of knots. <laughs> and being able to have the skill that I had that I could cut anything, I could style anything, I could, you know, work with anything, 
it got out. And so people who had wayward hair, whatever the case may be, I was able to give them haircuts, uh, give them chemical uh, services, all of that. Um, And I was licensed. So it was cool. So that's what ended up happening. Little did I know, I ended up cutting the hair of the vice president of the university. I didn't know that that was who she was but she came in she was like I have these cowlicks all over my head I try to get it cut I end up going to the barbershop they scalp me and I look crazy blah 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 so and she was older than me but it was fine she came to the to the dorm where I was staying and I cut her hair and she loved it she kept coming back and then all of a sudden I start hearing about um, the director uh, of financial aid wanting to talk to me Well, lo and behold, I get called over there and it's summertime now. I'm not at the dorms because I can't afford it. But the director calls me in and guess what? She has a similar haircut to the girl that I had been cutting her hair through school. And she's like, you know, I heard that you cut hair and you cut it very well. What do you think you could do with mine? And I'm like, I can do that. And so she gets me. uh, She says, well, I can come pick you up if you you need. And so the story ends that she didn't really tell me who she was and I kind of figured it out um, because by the time I agreed to, you know, have her haircut and, you know, and of course I'm going to her office and her name is all over the place, but she never just comes out and says, I'm the director. I'm just like, you know, so, you know, grateful that I can um, help her out, but I'm like, sure. And um, so anyway, she picks me up and she's like, okay, you know, she cut, I cut her hair and all of that. And uh, she's like, do you think you can cover these grays? And I, I do all of that. And, and she loves it. You know, she loves it. I uh, frosted something that I, that was real popular during the time. She absolutely loves her hair. Um, that happens uh, another time. And I'm still trying to go to school during the summer. She doesn't say anything, none of that. Um, I struggle through and my grandparents uh, are able to help me um, get into housing with some other girls. So they help me with my part of the the rent for the remainder of the summer. And that's a little breather. I make it through. I get those grades back up and I'm able to come back in the fall. But guess what? I still have that lingering balance. So I am like, I don't know what to do. And guess what? I some kind of way talk these people into letting me continue to try to work it off because I've lost my scholarship and now my balance is even bigger than it was before and I try to do this and all of a sudden uh, after I have gone through and the way they did it and y'all just bear with me I really got to tell it this tell this story because you got to understand when I come around to what status means you're really gonna see the power of this okay so I, cu- I come through the long line and what they had was we would do everything in the in the uh, gymnasium. It was a big gymnasium complex and stuff. So if you had financial problems, once you went through on your initial time and you didn't have your monies, what they would do is they would sit you over on this set of bleachers and everybody knew what those bleachers meant. So people coming through, like I said, this is a private university. It's a prestigious, world-known university <laughs> for um, now. It's a historically black university. So if you if 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 you do your research, you'll know that the only HBCU that is also a private university. You'll know which you and in New Orleans, you'll know which one I'm talking about. But I digress. Um, so everybody knows. Oh, those people didn't have their money. <laughs> you know, so it's kind of like the the sit of shame because you have to sit there 
for the remainder of the day until they've processed everyone else. And I didn't understand at the time, but it became known to me that what they would do is because they really didn't want to turn people away. They would go through everyone who, whose financial aid and, um, scholarships and everything were done and then they would look and see what they had left to see how they could help us to get back into school and so at the end of the day once everything was tallied and they saw like I said what they had for that particular day for and they did it by your alphabet so that's you know another thing too you would get a um a award I don't remember the exact name of it but basically it was a charity award of, of a grant of some sort and they would cobble together something and that's another reason why I love my HBCUs they will work with you honey they will work with you so um, I got enough for it to hopefully be a way for me to uh, pay the balance off by the end of the year and uh, so I got in school. It was a daunting amount. I didn't have it. My parents didn't have it. I didn't know how I could make it because when you're talking about thousands and I'm making hundreds, it makes it a bit of a difference. So I go off to school. I don't have the money for my books. I just don't. Uh, but some kind of way, I, I try to make it through the first couple of weeks getting by on handouts and what I could, you know, chapters I could copy out of friends' books and stuff like that. And I get this message. And it says to report to um, the director's office at financial aid. So I go in and I sit down. And by this time, I know, you know, the lady I've been cutting her hair. I know she's the director. But of course, you know, they try to make it seem like, you know, you don't know me. You don't know me, child. You know, you, you cut my hair and everything. And so she's like, how you doing? I'm like, I'm OK. And the short of it is, she says, uh, an opening has become available and I have recommended you. You need to go over there and talk to them. And if they like you, you'll be placed there for uh, work study. And I was like, I thought I didn't qualify for work study anymore. She's like, well, now you do. If you can get over there, uh, we'll do that for you. And she says, it, it won't take care of everything, but at least it'll give you a little bit of, of help. Um, so she gives me the, the information and I'm shocked when I realized that she's sending me to the president's office. Now. I go to the president's office, I meet with them, I'm nervous, and they are like looking at me like, child, who your people? That's the, that's the thing in New Orleans, you, are, you, you, you must be related to somebody, right? And I go through this spiel again, I mean, th that, that would become something that I would have to answer to all the time. Uh, well, I'm not from here, my people are up, up north, and all this kind of stuff, and then I would get told how I look like some people that somebody knows, and all of this. And for some reason, in my family, the people in my family look like folks from the the southern part of the state but we're we're, we're not um at least I don't think we're Creole but anyway I digress um so I get the job and I go back and at this time and I want to say their names but I don't want to do you know to do that on a podcast but they were so all of them were angels to, to bless my soul so I go back and um meet with the director again she smiles she's like well well child you got it. That's what you call me, child. She said, well, child, you got it. And I was like, thank you, thank you. She said, oh, no, uh-uh, don't thank me. She says, um, what we did was is we just tried to look and see who we could recommend to different things. We got another grant that came in and we're trying to help everybody because she didn't want it to seem like she was giving me favoritism. I like to think that she was giving me favoritism because she knew me. But 
if she were around to this day, she would probably tell you, no, that wasn't it. <laughs> but I was, I found out after the fact, I was the only one sent over to be um, a work study uh, over there because those were coveted jobs. And once a person got in there, they weren't letting it go. So they already had another young lady who was there um, and they only had a spot for two. And so I got the other spot. This is where it gets to be something. Okay. So I am uh, in a program that has a higher cost to it than most because I had a lot of lab expenses, lab fees. My textbooks were more um, because I'm in chemistry. And so I, it just costs more on top of what it costs to go to this private university where I did not have my scholarship anymore, by the way. So I'm working in the president's office, which meant that I was going to have to de uh, decrease, you know, all of the time outside of that and try to, you know, get my studies going. I was trying to make it and I still ended up with a balance at the end of the summer, not the end of the school year, but the end of the summer, because remind you, I'm trying to play catch up and trying to get my grades back up. So I go back into the next fall and this is where the lady, I go through the line. And, but this time my balance is, it's, it's smaller. It's, it's, I put a big dent in it working for the uh, university and uh, doing hair on the side and all of that kind of stuff over the over this previous year and so she looks at me and she's like baby who are your people <laughs> and here we go again and then she looks at me and she's like wait a minute aren't you that little girl that works over in the president's office and I'm like yes ma'am she's like you stand over here she didn't send me to the bleachers this time she just told me to stand by so I stand by and she finishes up another person and then she walks me over to not the director, but the associate director who was on the floor. And the associate director by this time, guess what? I have been doing her hair too. And her hair is fly. It's growing. She's happy with me, happy with it. And uh, she she shows her that I have like a couple of hundreds uh, dollars balance. And so I, I'll never forget, they had these printouts, the, the computer printouts. And the lady had taken the printout over there and walked me over there too. And she said, you, you stand over here. She's going to work with you. So she looks up at me and she gives me that look like, don't you tell anybody you know me. <laughs> and so I'm like, um, yes, you know, I, I don't say anything. Thank goodness I had enough common sense to read, you know, nonverbals. So she looks at me, she looks down at the balance, and then she initials it and she gives it to the cashier. And the cashier looks at it, nods, and says, okay, here you go. Here, Here's your, um, whatever it was that they gave you that said you had permission to go and claim your classes that you had um, pre-registered for. And I was like, I don't understand. And she was like, um, just, just read the information. So there was, guess what? a semester scholarship for um, something or other that uh, could only be used for materials. So it could only be used for, it couldn't be used to pay for the classes, but it could be used to pay for books and that kind of stuff. And when I looked down, I didn't owe them like, I think I owed them like $700. When I looked down, I had a credit of almost 300 so they had, she had processed a thousand dollar credit uh, or scholarship for me to cover the cost. And when I went to the cashier, the cashier gave me my thing and she gave me the money. I was like, what the what? And I didn't get it at that time. Dumb me. It would take me a while to understand it. 
But now that y'all have heard this story, now let's talk about the status elevator. Now, I'll tell you, status elevator, just as well as it goes up, it goes down. And just as fast as it goes up, it could go down too. So the status, status elevator. There is um, this book that uh, I read by a person I admire um, who has been in the hustle and I have watched his hustle along um, the years, uh, Russell Bronson. And he came out with um, some books, he came out with dot-com secrets and uh, expert secrets. And I particularly loved expert secrets. And if you haven't gotten it, get it. And yeah, I'll try to remember to drop a link for that book and for Robert Greene's. But in the book, he talks about another man that I'm, um, I'm aware of. Um, never met him in person. I'm just aware of him. His name is Perry Belcher and he is a um, a marketer, online marketer. And he told Russell about status. And when I read this, I was like, it clicked. I understood some of the, the wonderful things that have happened to me throughout the years and, and why. And I'm going to tell you, once you can put a name on something, your whole world expands. It really does. And so this is what he told him. He said, when you're dealing with people, you know, especially in the in the area of trying to sell them something, he says, status, <laughs> excuse me, status is the only thing that causes a person to move toward you or not move at all. Status. You know, what the what what he's saying is is with status, status is the way people view you in a society and it is what makes you um prosperous popular famous powerful or the reverse of all those things and people don't even realize that there is a two-way transaction always happening when they interact with you and that two-way transaction is will knowing you or working with you or being around you elevate or dry or, or, or take away from my status. And if you are looking at it that way, the world looks way different as to what's really going on in relationship. So going back to my story in school, my first year, I had the elevation of status through uh, being a um uh, through being a scholarship person and working in um, the administrative offices of the pre-med school, which was a prestigious uh, department. But it wasn't, it wasn't a lot of status. It was just like, oh, that, that's one of the smart kids, you know. And it didn't help me when it came to getting my bills paid for uh, school. And it didn't, surely didn't help me when I lost my scholarship. They were actually done with me. They were like, okay, you lost your scholarship, next you know and I was like okay and that was because I didn't realize that at the time uh, I have not broken the rules but I was no longer covered by the rules and I, a struggling student did not help their status now I'm not trying to make them into bad guys because that's not it at all it's just it's the way of the world now we move over to my abilities that my grandmother had helped me to make sure I had my skills and the fact that I offered unique skills that I was willing to accommodate the people in a way where it made it easy for them that nobody had to know about it you know me cutting and fixing hair you know and I'm gonna tell you something about a black woman when you can make her hair looks look right it truly is her crown and glory we express ourselves through our hair through our crown we have a ridiculously unique frustrating and wonderful relationship with our hair so me having done that for <laughs> the vice 
president's daughter and then the uh, department head of financial aid. That was an amazing thing um, because I elevated their status where they were always put together. And I was so affordable that they could get their hair done. I mean, it got to the point where I was doing different people's hair uh, two to three times a week because they were like, I don't even want to comb it. I just want you to do it, you know, and, and that's what I was doing. So I elevated their status. Thus, they helped to elevate mine. So what ends up happening when I'm trying to register for school, I wasn't dealing with the people in the department where I was cutting hair, but because they had helped me elevate my status by becoming one of the only two students in the entire university who worked in the president's office, my status with the registrar's office was increased because they're like, okay, we're going to help her. You never know. She might be able to put in a good word for us with the president if we ever need it. And so they were banking status with me by helping me. So then, now, mind you, they see I have this, whatever, um, this balance. And then they take it over to financial aid. <laughs> Little do they know, the person over there in the, finan- the financial aid representative with the, um, the clout to do it, the status to do it, looks at me because we already have an established relationship. And I don't know if she's trying to say, I want to stay in your good graces and I want you to continue to do my hair twice a week for the low, low price that you do it. And you do it better than a lot of people who charge three times as much. I'm not saying that was going on, but I can say that that $1,000 scholarship I got to cover my test beakers and my lab coats and goggles and uh, chemicals that I had to use to get through uh, physical chemistry and stuff. I'm just saying that it worked, you know. So this is um, the wisdom smack that I started getting um, as I continued on through uh, my education and my work and all of this is that with status, a lot of times we don't know that that's what we're doing. We don't know that we're summing up each other to see if you're going to help me and I'm, I'm going to help you. But I'm going to tell you this. The wisdom elevator works like, excuse me, the status elevator works like this. If you come to a person and they don't perceive that you have either the status or the tools to help them increase their status, then the one thing that you can do is you can be highly useful to them. And the way you become highly useful to them is that you understand how to change the way you perceive yourself. There are so many different stories of people who reframed what they did. There is this um, famous story uh, attributed to George Clooney, the actor, who said at the time when he was young and trying to get... um, roles in Hollywood he was frustrated because he wouldn't get them and he was trying to figure out how to be better at what he did and when he finally stopped that and started to realize that hey these casting directors have it just as hard as anybody else they want to get the best person who's going to be bankable make them money and make them look good he changed how he looked at that and instead of trying to do the part in the way that was perfect or the the best part instead his job changed to I'm the best guy that's going to help you elevate your status I'm the best guy for this job that makes you look good and just by that simple change he started booking parts and now we know him as George Clooney the actor and director and all of these accolades that he had but it was because 
he changed his perception of how he saw himself so that in turn his actions conveyed that to the other person I may not be on your status or your level of status but I can help you be more it happens all the time what do you think talent scouts are looking for when they go out searching for talent whether it be models or musicians or um playwrights or uh authors in the making they are looking for their next big win why do they want their next big win it's because either they're trying to maintain their dominance or they're trying to dethrone someone else's dominance by the way of the status elevator. So if you're listening to this today, what I want you to understand is that WIFM statement, what's in it for me, is so prevalent today because that's another code word for the status elevator. Whomever you're speaking with or interacting with, are you clearly showing them that by having some type of interaction or relationship with you that their status is going to improve instead of devolve if you can show that then your status elevator is going to be going up 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 and up and people are going to want to move toward you and not away or not move at all see status is the engine of influence when people feel like by being I mean, it could even be, and this is the thing that I that I really learned in college. I never had to do anything for these people who were being nice to me. Never. It was just by proximity of my proximity that they were willing to do stuff for me and thus their status elevated. They could say, oh yeah, I know someone in the president's office. Now, it might've just been a kid over there, me, but still they knew someone and from time to time, I would get calls at the president's office wanting to know information that had nothing to do with students, had everything to do with staff and faculty. And I would ask, I wouldn't just tell them, I would ask to see if it was okay to release that. And a lot of times they were like, yeah, you can let them know we're going to be making the announcement thus, thus, and thus. And because I was able to give them that information ahead of time, even if it was only an hour or two before the official statement came out, their status increased and in turn when they saw me my status increased so much so that I I know and I I know it's not right but it is the way of the world I know that I received benefit from perceived status due to my approximation to the president of the university and so that's the status elevator guess what you guys (sighs) my time is up but I sure do thank you for yours. This has been Michelle Spiva with another podcast for Wisdom Smack. If you like this, I'm going to just say, if you're listening now, hey, we've been together for some time by now. This is actually um, my 26th episode. So I'm going to ask you to like, share, comment. And I'm also going to ask you to consider supporting us by using our Amazon link. You can go to michellespiva.com forward slash amz and it will take you directly to amazon where if you shop we may get a little bit of a compensation for it thank you so much and guess what i'm going to see you tomorrow bye
And that's going to do it for today's podcast of Wisdom Smack with Michelle Spiva. If you like this podcast, please help us get the word out. Like, comment, subscribe, and even share. And if you really like it, please help us continue to get the word out by considering using this show's link for Amazon. So when you want to go to Amazon and you do all of your general shopping, uh, please use michellespiva.com forward slash AMZ. It's simple as that. It doesn't cost you anything extra. And this show might receive a little bit of commission that will go towards helping to further get these episodes out to you and to others. So thank you so much for listening. This has been Michelle Spiva with Wisdom Smack. Bye.